Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here again with Drew Dinsick, Radio Row, live from Las Vegas, staring at Cam Newton's giant hat uh, as we speak uh, backstage. As you look at Allegiant Stadium, if you are uh, watching on the NFL on NBC YouTube channel, uh, Brad Spielberger, great to see you in person yes. uh, at PFF underscore Brad. Uh, how are you enjoying Vegas, man? Enjoying it, thriving. I had to, figured I had to wear this shirt. If I was ever going to wear yeah. this shirt, it had to be in Las Vegas. So I'm doing well. How you guys? <laughs> The sun came out today, so it's appropriate. Uh, but yeah, no, this has been a fantastic trip so far, and uh, great to meet people in person that we've talked to so many times on the podcast, uh, yourself inclusive. And uh, yeah, we got a lot of uh, interesting questions for you today that a little bit different than everything else you're hearing relating to the Super Bowl. So that's kind of exciting. Yep. We went to Oilers Nights last night, uh, as we were talking about. Um, starting to get very bullish on Aiden Hill, kind of sneaking the Vesna uh, yeah. from nowhere, even though he's missed a lot of time. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, let's talk football. Uh, you are a Chicago Bears fan, um, proudly. What do you think of the Shane Waldron hire? I like it. Uh, you know, I think there are some question marks. Third down, red zone. I think a lot of that is variance year to year. He's had years where he's been great there. Last year was not particularly strong. But for me, um, I, I think you see an offense that has good spacing in the passing game, uh, you know, different personnel packages, some exotic, weird, uh, two tight end offset to the, you know, like he does. I think there's an intentionality with what he does. Um, you know, he works for the QB Collective, who happened to coach both Caleb Williams and Justin Fields. So there's you know, a lot of familiarity there, but I think it was a good hire. Yeah, no, that all makes sense. Uh, I, I guess you're right. Uh, the hire doesn't really tip their hand about what direction they're going to go, which I think is probably a good thing for the organization, right? Uh, you would like to ideally have a couple of teams bidding against each other uh, for the first overall pick, and you would also like to be able to evaluate these quarterbacks and decide if you want to use them y- themselves. Um, do you have a sense of uh, where this is going and if they elect to uh, deal fields what the compensation might be? I'd be pretty surprised if Justin Fields is on the Bears this upcoming season. Okay. Uh, I, they haven't made a decision, I'm sure, but yeah, I think we're, what, two, years, two weeks away from the combine now? That's when kind of trade things start, start ramping up. They probably agreed to the deal with Carolina around the, the combine last year. So, yeah, I think you're looking at a second-round pick uh, for Justin Fields. I'm not buying the first-rounder. I know Adam Schefter, who knows infinitely more than I do, said yesterday on, the, uh, on I think, you know, ESPN Radio he thinks they could get a first. Wow. I look at the list of teams that are still probably in the running. We're in Las Vegas. I don't think Luke Getze is bringing Justin Fields back aboard. Uh, so that takes one off the board. Atlanta, to me, at eight is interesting um, if they don't think they can get a quarterback of their own. But it's not a long list. Yep. Atlanta is the favorite among the non-Bears teams at the moment at plus 140. But then after that, yeah, it's Raiders, which to your point doesn't seem particularly likely. Seahawks, Broncos, Patriots, like none of these teams. I mean, someone is probably going to come from the clouds. I don't think he's going to be on the Bears next season. But if he's not, uh, Caleb Williams right now uh, is minus 900 to go number one overall. Uh, and this market this time of year is not particularly liquid or solid. It bounces back and forth uh, a bit. Do you think that he is the guy that the Bears will ultimately take if they trade fields? I think so. I think he's the guy they want to take from a football standpoint. I think they are going to go through the questions. Like I'm not ignoring the fact that Cliff Kingsbury bailed from Las Vegas, goes to Washington. You know, Caleb from there, obviously highly respects Cliff from their time shared at USC. Um, there, I think there is a scenario where we they at least try to get the Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers dynamic. I don't know if it happens. I don't know if Chicago says, you know, we're not going to 
care about that, but I wouldn't be betting minus 900. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Do you think there's a non-zero chance the Bears trade out of one and also move fields and take maybe the second or third quarterback if they I, feel like there's not a big enough margin? I do. No, I really, really do. I think, you know, the, the comparison I'm making is Jason Tatum trade with Markel Fultz. Sure. Like, they might view it as, like That worked we, out well. Yeah. It worked out very well, right? It's <laughs> yeah. not, like, thing, not yeah. a thing you see in the NFL all that often. Like, I feel like if you did that in this, this league for quarterback in particular, you get eviscerated. But, I mean, yeah, like you said, worked out well for the Celts. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, Kirk Cousins probably hasn't been talked about as, uh, as much in this cycle because I guess the presumption is that he's probably just going to go back to Minnesota where he's having, you know, probably the best season of his career until he got hurt. He's minus 200 in the market to go back there. Is there any team with cap space that you think might make a run at Cousins? What's Atlanta's odds? Is where I would <laughs> yeah, so Atlanta's plus 300, and they're the second favorite. I, I think that's a, a very, very good potential landing spot there. You have the Rams staff of Zach Robinson coming over, who obviously worked with Kevin O'Connell in L.A. Uh, so familiarity there is we're getting deep in the weeds now. Kirk Cousins got married in the Georgia area. His wife is from the Georgia area. I think if he was going to leave Minnesota, which I agree, like they probably are the presumptive favorite right now, but if he was going to leave, and look, they have the 11th overall pick. they got to pay Justin Jefferson, figure some things out. going to be 36 years old next year. If he's going to leave, I think it will be Atlanta. Okay. Uh, all of uh, A lot of my uh, favorite uh, work that you put out there is around uh, kind of team building and uh, salary cap and just in general expectations for compensation. Um, I mean, what is Kirk Cousins looking at? He's coming off of a, he's late in his career. He's coming off of an Achilles in his plant foot. Like, is he going to have to kind of take some sort of a discount here? Or do you think he still warrants kind of top 10 compensation type of money? The thing is, if you are a clear-cut top 12 quarterback, let's say, and sure. you're an unrestricted free agent, which, you know, because he's been tagged twice, he is, uh, if there are multiple suitors, the leverage is insane, right? So okay. in a vacuum, if he goes back to Minnesota, like I have it projected right now at two years 60, that would be way too low. If, if it comes out, hey, Kirk's not going to stay, they're going a different direction, I'm bumping that up to two years 80. Like okay. I, I really think that's how it looks because I think Pittsburgh with Arthur Smith is interesting. Okay. Uh, you have Atlanta. I think Las Vegas here with Lugetsi is interesting. Like, there are a lot of different teams you could point out to say, hey, they think they're close. They have good veterans. They have weapons. They just need that last piece. That's a lot of teams. Yeah. Yep. I think the underrated thing with this stuff is just like the kind of human element of uh, but this morning I was interviewing Baker Mayfield and talking about, you know, where he's going to go. And he was telling me how, you know, his wife is eight months pregnant. They live in Tampa Bay. He loves the weather in Florida. Uh, all the, you know, doctors <laughs> are there and everything. Like that kind of stuff really matters. And yeah, of course. Kirk Cousins is, you know, he's pretty, I would guess, entrenched in the Minnesota area. He's got kids and everything. And it seems like a pretty good fit. But to your point, I mean, Atlanta, uh, I think they're obviously the most interesting team in terms of quarterbacks just because the rest of the roster is so filled out and that division is so winnable like if they had Kirk Cousins or they get a, you know they trade for Justin Fields to get an 80th percentile field season then all of a sudden you're looking at potential 12 and 5 team that can uh, you know have home field uh, in uh, a round or two in the playoffs uh, cap space teams uh, is there anyone you expect maybe off the radar that you think will make a big splash that has cap space this offseason uh, probably not off the radar because you see them as number one in cap space and think they're going to spend but the commanders the last two yeah. seasons have basically punted on free agency I think Josh Harris is going to have some new owner syndrome. I think he's going to be super, super aggressive. I think they're going to spend a lot. You know, draft five top 100 picks and then supplement it with a ton of free agent additions. Yep, that all checks out. Uh, one last question for you about uh, the shape of the NFL for next year. Um, 
do you think there will be a, a little bit, um, more, you know, a, a, a pivot towards trying to reclimate a quarterback as opposed to going with uh, an expensive veteran based on, you know, not really working out well with uh, the Jets and Aaron Rodgers? Worked out great for Tampa Bay uh, with the reclamation project for Baker Mayfield. Like, if you're in the middle class right now, does it make sense, you know, to have a vision for your quarterback for next year that is, you know, anything other than cheap? I think we are going to continue to see a little bit more of that because, like, the, the mid-tier just doesn't really exist. Where even Derek Carr is still getting, you know, substantial guarantees. And last year, the offense last year in New Orleans was not good. Uh, you know, bring Clint Kubiak, we'll see how that looks. But it's just like I'd rather go sign, you know, an Andy Dalton. I mean, Andy Dalton played in New Orleans the year before sure. and was probably better than, than, no. than, than Carr was this past season. Like, I do think some smart teams are going to say, if we don't have the $55, $60 million a year guy, Let's go get the one-year Jacoby Brissett guy, not pay that middle cluster because the, you know, like you said, get 80th percentile outcome season and then figure things out from there. Yeah. Yep, that's fair. Uh, so when the Super Bowl line opened, it was uh, San Francisco minus 2.5 effectively. The total's been pretty steady in the 47.5 region. Was there anything surprising about the openers to you? I feel like that was like one of the easier, you know, guess the lines to do yeah. every week. It was like, all right, yeah. it's going to be between a field goal, probably skewed towards San Fran, which I think yeah. it should have been. You know, I think yeah. it, it opened where it should have. Hopped on Kansas City plus 105 right away. Hopped on the over, as I mentioned. I do think both teams are going to score, but not a strong, really, position either way. Just I'm betting on the Super Bowl, so yeah. you got to get there early. <laughs> Indeed. All right, well, if you want another sweat during Super Bowl week, Drew and I have you covered with a special edition of Bet the Edge tomorrow night. Join us on the NFL and NBC YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern for an NFL Awards watch along and find out how we feel about the winners for Coach of the Year, Comeback Player, and much more found out unfortunately drew not sure if you looked at this but got the schedule for the yes, awards I, and uh, comeback well. player which is the biggest sweat for me is uh second, the, last. Yeah, second last before yeah. mvp so it's gonna be <laughs> a good 90 minutes of me uh reeling uh on our waiting for uh for that one but yes, uh, some yeah. other some other big results pending in those markets so yeah. it'll be a lot of fun so yeah 9 p.m eastern on the nfl and nbc yeah YouTube happy show. we get to see the uh, fedex Aaron ground players of yeah. the year named and yeah. we get the flag of the year and all, all of the uh the random awards before we get to come back player of the year that was a, that was a disappointment <laughs> yeah nfl fan of the year uh, which yeah, i'm yeah. sweating nervously uh. <laughs> reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil i know how to run a hair salon but for small business insurance i chose my state farm agent She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Anyway, uh, so I think the most unique thing from a betting perspective, Brad, about Super Bowl is definitely just the ridiculous wealth of prop markets that are available and also much larger prop limits relative to your average games or anything in the prop market that's jumped out to you. I want to know the, where the price is now. I think the way to play Travis Kelsey is just to go to lead the game in receiving yards. I think it was plus 370 at open. Uh, I thought it was a good price. Just because of the, the distribution of the ball on San Francisco's side, they're going to spread it out. I, I like Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey props from a receiving standpoint. Uh, the Chiefs, you saw, they had condensed splits, had Zay Flowers inside, and he was getting Nick Bolton in that game. And Nick yeah. Bolton's good sideline to sideline, good run defender. You do not want him covering you know, number three receivers, slots, guys like that. So I just think you're going to see a good distribution in San Fran, and you could see a concentration of targets to Travis Kelsey. So plus 370 there. You know, the MVP odds, maybe if you want to go there. 
or I go long shot. Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, like I, I, the quarterbacks of McCaffrey, I get it. One of them will probably win, but I'm going way, way long shot or maybe Travis Kelsey just for the, the, the T-Swift dynamic. As long as, uh, as long as we're on MVP discussion, I, gotta, I haven't uh, previewed this with Jay yet, so I need your honest opinion. Like it was this lunacy, right? Um, there are high liquid yes-no markets for every player, including Pat Mahomes. And I kind of feel like no Mahomes is a two-sided bet where any Niners win, he's not winning. And there's plenty of scope now for a Chiefs win where the 20% fan vote is going to go to Kelsey. And I think a lot of the writers could elect to, ah, oh, you know what? Easy column, easy clicks. Travis, Kel- Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, submit. Right? Like there's definitely a, a little bit of a whiff of um, lower than you ever would have expected or imagined for Mahomes' equity in Chiefs this year. Is that crazy? I really don't think it is. No, <laughs> I, I think there is. It's the most narrative bet of all time. Like they just they yeah. would lean into that if they could. If Kelsey scores one touchdown, even if he doesn't go off sure. from the yard standpoint, I don't think it's a bad call. Yeah, I think the thing with Super Bowl MVP, which maybe some people don't know, is that when I've spoken to voters who have voted on Super Bowl MVP, like it is not. Uh, it's not like you get a lot of time to think about your vote. Like, it's basically someone will come around, basically just take a show of hands type of thing <laughs> with, you know, two minutes left in the game, and then you have a chance to change your vote. But it's not like you are sitting... And the other thing, too, is, like, you're watching the Super Bowl. Like, you're watching the game. You're not, like, they're studying how many pressures Chris Jones has, right? Sure. It, is, it goes to the most obvious candidate. And also, I think that you wait probably um, what happens more before the absolute death of the game like i think about you know if you were voting two days after the super bowl of bengals rams there's a good chance aaron donald would have won super bowl mvp because he wrecked that last That's drive great point uh, but because <laughs> cooper cup yeah. caught the touchdown yeah. um and had all the narrative going into it he edged out donald so i think that is the thing to consider it's like when you're looking at long shots like not only is it difficult for you know someone to uh to to win as a long shot but also like even if they have a case on merit like it needs to be obvious right um at the same time though i do agree with Mahomes, where you know previous last year i thought that he probably had the highest equity to an mvp of any player in history on his own team just because you know there was no more tyree kill uh and the running game there was no running back who was really a threat to win this year i think it's a bit different just because you know they were borderline top only borderline top 10 and epa players in offense Mahomes didn't have the gaudy counting stats um is there anyone crazy who you think could come from the clouds if you're talking Chiefs specifically too, like you know, you could play a defensive angle there. Like I mentioned, the off-ball linebackers. Just thinking, if you know, like Malcolm Smith back in the Seattle, you know, Seahawks days, like a guy who maybe gets a sack and an interception. Because like, you're right, like it's it is volume or not volume stats. It is box score stats that is winning you the MVP. So sure. um, it's a good shout. I mean, you're, you're going to have no Charles Menehu in this game. So Chris Jones probably going to play more on the edge. Yep. Maybe you look that angle. He has to actually get home and get sacks and. Frankly, he could. You put him on the right side against Colton McKivitz, and I think Chris Jones is going to win that matchup most times. So, huh. probably not the biggest long shot, though. I, you know, that, that's where I'm looking like Drew Quank, Drew Tranquil. I'm just <laughs> yeah. going, like, deep cut sure. with it. Hope he has a sure. pick and a sack. I mean, he does blitz a good bit with, with Spagnola, so maybe that, there's an angle there. Yeah. Sure. So, Jay, I, yeah, should I just, like, let this fleeting thought go, or should I get uh, get you know get to work here trying to find people who want to bet Mahomes yes and just uh, lay that action yeah I think so I think you know historically Mahomes and these Super Bowls has been close to 95% of Kansas City's equity I don't think we're in that type of 
region for this Super Bowl. Um, I also think as well, this is actually, it's a really good live betting market. Um, we'll talk about other markets of that ilk, but like the Super Bowl MVP is traded live at a lot of books now. Sure. It's a really difficult market to live trade, particularly if the quarterbacks throw a pick early. Because yeah, right. then you're in real trouble. And so when Stafford <laughs> in that Super Bowl threw his second pick, it's yeah. like, all right, well, now he's probably not going to win MVP. And now it's, you've got to distribute the equity bet- between... Cup, Donald, the, and the somewhat small chance that Stafford still wins, and that stuff is really difficult to price in real time because there's no liquid market to go off of. Like you're just changing numbers uh, in the in the system uh, as you go. Um, so I haven't said the words Taylor Swift all week um, nice. until now. Uh, you betting any Taylor Swift props? There was one where how many appearances she had, and, and this I was laughing at this. You could. Or with just like Travis Kelsey receptions and sure. Taylor Swift appearances, because there's probably close to a one-to-one correlation there. Yeah, yeah. there's uh, actually so, a market for that. Head yes. to head. There's oh, a head-to-head, really? yeah. There you go. So <laughs> I think I saw one book, it was like over under seven and a half T Swift, but then Kelsey was sitting around five and a half, six and a half. And so I think that's that's how you play that, is you just try to shoot the gap there and play the middle. <laughs> no, I dig it. I think I think uh, I uh, I played some under uh, under times shown it was uh, i bet it down to five and a half i think uh, that's kind of an absurd absurd number like they, they they've done a very good job during the broadcast of making it about football and yeah. uh you know any more than five times would be very surprising uh, outside of what you get in the post post game yep i mean it's strange so weird to say this but a bet on under five and a half taylor swift appearances is like banking on fred warner and trey greenlaw to really close off the middle of the field basically <laughs> yeah. um, because i think that that's what you're going to need all right one more read before we ask about our live betting strategy Join the party on the PGA Tour at TPC Scottsdale this week as Scotty Scheffler, plus 450 favorite to win this tournament, goes for his third straight title at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Check out all the big drives, holeouts, and rowdy fans on the 16th green on NBC, Golf Channel, as well as Peacock, where you can stream the entire tournament. You're a golf fan, right, Brad? Huge golf fan, yes. Yeah. You're, yes. You've been to the Waste Management? I've not been to the Waste Management. I want to, yeah. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. This guy looks amazing. Yeah. There's a simulator over there. It's serious, okay. by the way. Oh. I was taking, some, taking some swings. Okay. It wasn't pretty, but, okay. you know. Very good. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Selling smoothies is what I do, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too, so he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. So in terms of live betting strategy, I think this is an interesting matchup because the Niners have such pronounced, I think, well, relative strengths and weaknesses in that they are incredible playing from ahead, given that their weaknesses on run defense are kind of minimalized and their strengths with McCaffrey as a running offense are maximized. Uh, Is there any particular game state that you hope kind of emerges for live betting this game? Yeah, that was when you mentioned the, the MVP market was how I wanted to play that, where I, I didn't hate Isaiah Pacheco's opening price at 80-1, to 1, I want to say it was, but I think that's been bet down to like 65-60 range. Mm-hmm. Now maybe you get an early Kansas City lead, and maybe then you go there. Because I think if they have uh, an early lead, Kansas City does, they're going to run the ball 25, 30 times. And his he's getting most of the touches now. He, he is their three-down back at this point. He's getting the targets as well, especially with McKinnon, who I think will probably play, but who knows how much. Sure. I think Pacheco live MVP is probably a, a solid angle if they're up early. Okay. okay. Can you get talk me through uh, your uh, thoughts on the live total? Uh, if you're coming into this game with an expectation that we're going to get points, uh, you like the over at 47.5. 
Um, is there a uh, kind of a game state heading into the second half that you would look to bet second half under? Uh, are you kind of caught up in the same thing a lot of us are? Stand up about Andy Reid's second half unders. Like, like, uh, do you think that uh, you know there's, uh, or, or I guess, are you going to uh, carefully manage that position? <laughs> I think there's another big one there where you're starting to see the Shanahan tree, where like Lafleur, Kyle, Sean, they run the clock down to one second on the game clock, and they're trying to run as few plays as humanly possible. I think you saw this season in some games, not even just because of the script, but changing that based on the opponent. I'm watching the first couple drives in San Fran, maybe the first non-scripted drive, and. Based on the tempo of how many seconds are left in the game clock, if it's if it's clear he's trying to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands as much as possible, a second half under is not a bad play. Okay. Yeah, I think the thing there is that uh, the Ravens-Chiefs game was instructive in that Kansas City basically, in a way, they put the cue in the rack in the second half where it's <laughs> like, all right, well, if Isaiah Pacheco is going to average 2.8 yards per carry or whatever, we, we don't care. We're still going to give him 24 <laughs> carries. And I don't understand, and I may be missing something here, but I think Pacheco has had like 24, 15, 18, 21 carries his past four games. Uh, and he's had 65 and a half rushing yards against the Niners' pretty poor run defense. Like, do you think that that is, I, off, off the top of my head, if I was going to guess the line, that would have guessed 10 yards higher. Agreed. Totally agreed. And I think you can also beat them off the edge with you know Chase Young not being great against the run. And then Javon Hargrave quietly not really being talked yep. about. Good interior pass rusher, but you can run on him too. So mm. in between the tackles and outside the tackles, they're going to find some space. Okay. I gotta. I just, uh, I agree with everything. And I have been stewing on this. What are the, you know, like, it, 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 the answers are so easy for the Niners offense, I think, that them having early success is a perfectly reasonable assumption, right? Uh, And I think that there's maybe an incentive for the Niners defense to get a little aggressive, maybe like literally just load the box and force Mahomes to beat you with long developing plays to wide receiver two, three, four, right? Uh, If I'm sitting there watching the first quarter and San Francisco is being aggressive with the blitz, aggressive with the run blitz, if I'm seeing eight guys in the box, like, is that uh, a good enough uh, kind of signal, you think, to just say, okay, this is going to be uh, a little bit more of an explosive game. Uh, we're not going to get a lot of uh, shortening because of the run. Because, like, on paper, you have two very successful running teams against two bad run defenses, and this game could get real short. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I think it's interesting with Steve Wilkes where he kind of resisted bringing an extra guy for so long. With the last month of the regular season, they weren't a good defense either. Everyone keeps saying in the playoffs, they weren't good the last month either. And you sure. finally saw him, like, all right, I get a, I, we can't win with just four. That's obviously how they won for years now, but they just don't have the bodies to do it anymore. So, yeah, I think it's a huge thing to monitor. How are they playing that? Are they bringing pressure? You don't want to blitz Mahomes, obviously. Ideally, Bosa just beats Jawan Taylor um, and, and gets home you know, with quick pressure, but they might have to at a certain point. Yep. Uh, last one for you, Brad, from me. I think that the, I guess, the inflection point in the Super Bowl, or the biggest variance point, is just what Brock Birdie is going to play like. Like, I don't think there's any sense that, you know, Mahomes is just going to melt on the big stage. That's not going to happen. Uh, I think we know largely what nah, the he's defense due. is. He is, yeah, he is. People kind of forget about how bad he was in the AFC title game against Cincinnati that's a couple true. years ago. That's true. Um, but I don't think that's probably going to repeat. But uh, I think earlier on in the year, there was the idea that, you know, PFF's grading didn't like Brock Purdy as much when he was ranked like the 13th, 14th. Now he's got an 87 grade and he's the number six quarterback in football. And I think if you ask just general people, like, uh, is Brock Purdy one of the top six quarterbacks in football? They'd probably say no. Uh, they would have other guys in front of him. But, I mean, 
What did you make of how Purdy played in those two playoff games where he really seemed rattled in both of the first halves and then came good in the second half of each game, which is weird because you'd think it would go the other way around if a quarterback is nervous. But, I mean, what do you expect from Purdy in this game? I mean, the one angle I like there is rushing yards. I want to say it's down to 11 and a half. Yep. Obviously, he had 48 last game, but I think you see him now getting more comfortable bailing and scrambling. Um, Spagnolo was eighth in blitz rate this past year. Without Charles Menehu, I think that goes up. Yep. And we had Brock Purdy, top 10 in PFF grade against the Blitz, most touchdown passes in the NFL, most passing yards, yards per attempt. He did make some mistakes too, but that also made, you know, bring in some variance. But, but I like him against the Blitz, and I think you're going to see it. So that's why I like McCaffrey and Debo, you know, receptions, receiving yards. I think he's just going to get it out quickly over the middle, let those guys go to work in space. But I think he's having a good game. Yeah, there's um, you know, the hottest prop on earth, at least the way they're indexing the juice, is the Brock Purdy under, under attempts. Right now, it's set at a 31 and a half. It's getting into the minus 150 range, which is starting to get a, a little. That's a, that's a little aggressive. Um, but uh, I, I get it. Like the yards per attempt, which you met, which you mentioned, like the passing game for the Niners should be explosive, right? So you should, you know, a common stat line of like 17 for 24 for 350 yards, and uh, you know, out, outstanding efficiency. Like that's kind of what we've come to expect from Purdy at this point. And um, you know, I mean, I think. Uh, there are people who are betting the Chiefs largely because they're just like, this is the best Chiefs defense. This is the best that Pat Mahomes has ever played with, right? Um, is there any chance that, uh, you know, the past defense for the Chiefs has, maybe they've been getting by with a, a little lighter, um, you know, a, a little easier matchups uh, in these last, you know, few games than uh, they're going to have on uh, on Sunday with Debo and Ayuk uh, and the, uh, yeah, I think those uh, on the are side of the field. Three of the most concentrated offenses from a target share standpoint, right? Sure. I mean, you have, you know, Baltimore and Mark Andrews clearly was not healthy. Yep. in that game but you know Zay Flowers only receiver that shows up Buffalo I know they did move away from Stephon Diggs but historically has been a pretty concentrated offense you don't have Gabe Davis in that game and then Miami I think Tyreek and, and Waddle led the NFL in like just one two punch receiver target share so now you're getting an offense that's going to spread the ball around you mentioned the, the great throw to Juwan Jennings in the second half last week like Purdy when you think he'd be more tight maybe leaning on his, his elite players is still spreading the ball around that's going to cause problems I really think it is over the middle in particular I, I like Justin Reed like Brian Cook they have good pieces there but I think you can attack them if you have time, you know, if the line holds up. Yep. I think the thing, too, is that as much glorification there has been of the Chiefs' defense, like, they got absolutely cooked by Josh Allen and Buffalo, but, like, particularly on the ground where the Bills were getting, like, three yards of push every single play, it felt like. But then also, like, Josh Allen individually had, you know, MVP-level EPA per play, and that was with Sherfield dropping two bombs and Stefan Diggs <laughs> dropping, you know, the best pass of the playoffs effectively. So yeah. I do think there is scope uh, potentially for the Niners to, uh, to light up Kansas City. Okay, Brad, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell people what you're working on and uh, where to find you on social media? Yeah, so free agency kicks off for these two teams in, uh, what, about a week's time? So I'll, I'll be putting out the PFF Top 250 free agents coming out next week. Okay, Ooh. perfect. All right, well, we are done for now. Thank you again for joining, Brad, uh, for myself and Drew. We'll be back tomorrow live on Radio Row in Las Vegas. In the meantime, don't forget to check out NBC Sports for more. NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching us on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 
I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today.